All right, hello and welcome to Running Through History. In this episode, what we're going to take a look at is Nigeria. Take a look at the government of Nigeria. And so, again, this podcast, I'm, I'm using this for my AP comparative class. And so, um, Nigeria is one of those countries that is is very it's very it's very difficult to determine how democratic um, Nigeria is. A lot of that has to do with very recent events in the last decade or so with Nigeria. Most political scientists would argue that Nigeria is actually going backwards in regards to how democratic um, its political system it is. They have had some relatively stable and well-functioning political governments in the 1990s and in the early 2000s. But ever since the early 2000s, there has been an increase in ethnic violence. There's been an increase in religious violence. And that has had a very detrimental impact on the political system in Nigeria. Um, so t- today, Nigeria, you know, it, it, it portrays itself as a democratic society. But in reality, for a majority of people um, in the country itself, it, it, it's not, I mean, it's not really functioning according to, to democratic um, pr- principles. So, just give you guys a couple of facts about Nigeria. Nigeria is the most populous state in Africa, about 140 million citizens. It actually makes it one of the largest countries in the world. It has a vast amount of resources, and it and one of the is of its biggest resources is oil. It has one of the largest oil deposits in the world. But the thing about it is, is that 70% of people in Nigeria actually live in poverty. It has a lot of division in terms of religion, and has a lot of divisions and a lot of division in terms of socioeconomics. So that's just a little bit about about them. So where I, you know how I always start these podcasts about these countries is I like to take a look at the history behind it. And the thing about Nigeria, y'all, that I think is super important about its historical factors, it really is going to be colonialism. That is. When you think about Nigeria, it, it, colonialism is going to stand out, okay? And the thing about about Nigeria and, and, and the thing about Africa, I have another podcast. If you want to take a look at it, it's about the scramble for Africa. The thing about Africa in general is before the era of colonialism, that Africa can be described as stateless societies, with the exception of a, few, of a couple of, of states here and there, predominantly how what Africa looked like, if you were to look at a map of, of Africa in, say, like 1850, you wouldn't see a lot of states. You would see a lot of blank spaces on a, on a map. Because what dominated Africa were tribes. People in Africa, for since the beginning of time, going back to ancient time, they are have lived in tribes. And, it's the, and the tribes were broken down by ethnic groups. And that's what matters. That's what matters to them. So it's a very, it was a very communal-style living in these stateless societies. And so that's really how Nigeria was prior to colonization. You know, it's going to be the Europeans who are going to meet in the 1880s, and they're the ones that draw the map of Africa. They're the ones who created Nigeria as a state. They're the ones who are going to ignore the Europeans at the meeting, at the Berlin Conference. They're the ones who are going to to ignore the tribal lines, and they are going to you know, create this random map of Africa that benefited them. They did it based on geography. They beat it, they, um, geographic, um, you know, features. They did it based on resources and they drew a map that was beneficial to them. So if you want a lot more information about that, you can go take a look at that podcast. That's about the scramble for Africa and what Africa looks like today. Cause it's actually a pretty fascinating story. 
how the borders of Africa came to be drawn. And so that is really going to be what we can say about Nigeria, that the borders of Nigeria today are going to be the borders that were drawn by by the Europeans. Because Nigeria today, it's in West Africa. It does have an Islamic, during the, uh, the, the uh, 7-800s, um, Islam will take hold in the western part of Africa. Um, that would be part of a, the spread of, of, of Islam going into Africa, and it will take hold in, in Africa. And so you can really break down the 140 million people in, in Nigeria, really geographically. So let's talk about the different ethnic groups in Nigeria today and where they are located in terms of their geography. Um, the northwest part of Nigeria is dominated by two groups. They're called the Hausa Fulani people, and that area is predominantly Muslim. We have the northeast part, and this has a lot of smaller groups. They are also prim- primarily Muslim. We have the middle belt, that's what it's called, the middle section of Nigeria, and it contains some smaller ethnic groups, and it's characterized by a mix of both Muslims and Christians. We have the southwest part of Nigeria, and the largest ethnic group there is called the Yoruba, and they dominate that area. And then there's even division within the Yoruba itself. There's about 40% of them are Muslim, 40% Christian, about 20% of them are devoted to um, native faith, such as, as animism. The southeast part of Nigeria is where the Igbo are located, and they're predominantly actually Roman Catholic, with a growing number of Protestants. And then the southern zone is a big part. Of the Niger River is located there, and there's a lot of minority groups in, in the southern part. So... Again, and you think about it, that that's historically, like the, the Northwest, that's historically where the Hausa Fulani people have lived. The Southeast is predominantly where the Igbo people have lived, and that can go back hundreds, if not thousands, of, of years. So again, the borders that are going to be drawn are going to be drawn by the Europeans. So Nigeria, during that age of imperialism, that colonial age, is going to be controlled by Great Britain for about 100 years. And the colonial rule, it wasn't, it was harsh, and it was not, but it was not beneficial at all to the, to the Nigerian people. One of the major problems with this colonial rule was the fact that the British are going to favor certain ethnic groups over others. And so what that's going to lead to is a lot of resentment and a very tense relationship between the ethnic groups. Okay. When Britain was in Nigeria, their influence was strongest in the southern part of Nigeria. The north was already organized into political hierarchies that were based on Islamic tradition. So the British are going to leave that area primarily intact, like their their government structures intact. But what's going to happen is the political changes that the British are going to bring in are going to give more power to the elites. Okay, And so that really is going to emphasize the difference between the north and the south that you still see today. You still see that, that, um, that, that division in the, in the country today. And so that has caused a lot of serious conflict and a lot of violence in, in Nigeria today. Another thing that the British are going to do that's going to actually add to, a, um, to even more division is that the, the British, the Christian missionaries that are going to come in w- w- with the British, are actually going to set up a school system. The school system is only going to be for, for certain people. So there's going to be actually a small percentage of society who can actually go to those schools. And so what that has led to is has led to um, an elite, an elite group of, um, of people in Nigeria. And a lot of these schools were located in the south. So very few people in the north had access to those schools. And so what has happened, how the you know, further division between the north and the south is that the northerners came to be seen really as, as backwards by the southerners. And the northerners really resisted that. And it's going to be some of those elites that were educated in the South, they are going to be 
they are going to be the you know, leaders in the government today. Okay, so that is just just a little bit there about how the how the British are going to to impact Nigeria. And the thing about about Britain, too, is that when they're there, y'all, and this is true for many of the African countries and how they're going to be treated by the by the Europeans, is that, I mean, yes, there are going to be some school systems set up, but it's just going to be for a few people. When the British were there, they used them f- for labor. They used them for resources. They used them for oil. There was no, no real investment done in the country at all. And so they're not taught about how to run a country. They're not taught about how to run an economy. The Nigerians are not. The different ethnic groups are, 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 are not. Um, so when the British are going to leave in 1960, when the uh, Nigerians are going to gain their independence, you know, there was no real preparation done to to give to to help the Nigerians have a very smooth transition. I mean, yes, there are some people who are going to be, you know, you could kind of argue that maybe they prepared some of the people in the schools in the South because part of the schooling was about Western political values, freedom, justice, equality, and things like that. So, but what's going to happen though is that when they gain their independence, you know, those tribes that were thrown in together into Nigeria, the Igbo, the Yorubu, and then the Hausa Fulani, what they're going to remember, y'all, is they're going to remember that they they don't they don't like each other because those groups of people, you know, they've been living in Africa for quite some time in their tribes and their communal living, and what they remembered is how much they don't like each other. And so it's going to lead to a lot of conflict of who's going to take over now that the British have bailed out of Nigeria. How is this going to work? How are these how are these tribes who have, you know, prior to colonization, who have hated each other and warred against each other for a long time, and their identity is as, you know, Igbo. Their identity is not as Nigerian. It's as Igbo. And you, and you throw in the division in terms of religion with the Christian missionaries coming in, the division in terms of, of, um, of education. How's that going to work? And so what it leads to is a lot of conflict. There's going to be conflict among the, uh, uh, among the groups. There's going to be conflict along the uh, military leaders of the country, and it's going to be based on ethnicity. Okay. And so that is, I would say, one of the biggest problems that that Nigeria is going to face because these ethnic groups did not know how to get along. And there has been a large amount of post-colonial struggle because of this. And the military has played a humongous role in the struggles. As a matter of fact, since the British left after World War II, most of the governments in Nigeria have been military dictatorships, which is not a good sign for democracy. In the 1990s and the 2000s, Nigeria, they started to move away from these dictatorships. But again, there are some disturbing trends that Nigeria has been reverting back to. Okay, so that's just a little bit about the history. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some of that stuff back up because it's, it's still very relevant today. That history of pre-colonization and during colonization is still very, very, very prevalent in, in Nigeria today. So when we look at Nigeria today, the political system is has definitely been impacted by all the military dictatorships in, since independence. And as I said, that's not really a good sign for democracy. And in theory, in theory, Nigeria is a, is a federal political system with government organizations on a local, state, and national level. They do have, they've had a variety of constitutions. 
that have provided for three branches of government, but it's just the executive branch that has dominated the policy making of the of the country. So there is an executive branch. The history of, of the executive branch has been a mix between Britain and um, the American presidential model. Early on, Prior to prior to the 1980s, they had a, a, a parliamentary system based on how Britain ruled the country, but they moved away from that because the different ethnicities really fragmented the multi-party state, and it became, I mean, really difficult for a prime minister to gain the authority to rule because there was so much fragmentation. And so what they did in the 1970s, late 70s, like 79 into the 80s, they're going to try to move towards the pre- the American presidential model, where a president's going to be chosen, there's going to be a, a term limit on the chief executive and what have you, and they're going to follow that until 1983. But then the 1980s, there are going to be military dictatorships in the 1980s, and there's going to be another presidential election in 1999 and in 2003, where they're going to um, elect presidents, but the presidents are going to be military generals. So they have had their struggles in terms of the executive, all right? So 2000 and, and, or 99 and 2003, they're going to elect military generals, 2007, there's going to be a civilian president elected, and then uh, Good Luck Jonathan um, is going to be elected president in 2011. But in 2015, there's going to be another military general who's going to be elected as as president. So that's why they struggle. They the and that's one of the reasons why I mentioned the military because they're a big part of the of the history of of the country, and they have moved from civilian administration to to military administration. But the president has a lot of power. All right. There is a bureaucracy in in Nigeria. It's a pretty elaborate civil service system that actually is going to be set up during the the British colonial period of time. The idea of civil service remains uh, pretty important in in Nigeria, but it is a problem. There is there is a problem. The bureaucracy is is humongous. It's generally accepted by many political scientists that it is corrupt. It's inefficient. Bribery is very common. Jobs, there's there's a lot of nepotism involved, and it's it's fairly inefficient. And another part of the bureaucracy that's going to be a, a, a problem, we have Nigeria is going to have some agencies that are actually called parastatals, parastatals. And so they're going to be corporations owned by the state. So theoretically, they're privately owned. These These corporations are, but the government's going to Appoint their appoint their boards. The executives are going to be part of the presidential kind of patronage system. And a lot of these a lot of these parastatal agencies, they provide things like public utilities, water, electricity, public transportation, things like that. So there there's a lot of connection between the government and then the and the economy, which again has led to a lot of of corruption because these these co- these corporations are going to be inefficiently run and they're going to be very 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 cor- corrupt. And a lot of political scientists actually believe that if democracy is going to survive in Nigeria, if it's going to work, that they've got to get rid of these these corporations that are owned by members of the of the government. When um, when uh, Good Luck Jonathan was elected in 2011, he actually promised to make electricity reform a priority because one one of the companies, one of the parastatal companies, was founded by one of the military generals. And it was called the NEPA, and the Nigerians kind of joked that it stood for Never Expect Power Again. And I, so it's kind of, you know, one of the things that Nigeria struggles with is a power infrastructure. There's a lack of, of access to electricity in Nigeria. So President Goodluck Jonathan is going to promise to make that a priority. He was hoping to transform the life of millions of, Ni- of Nigerians who don't have electricity. 
but that's something that they still struggle with today because of, of corruption inefficiency inefficiency and scandals that it is it's going to be it's going to struggle there's a legislature in in Nigeria it's taken on several different forms since independence it's been disbanded a number of times by the military they again had a parliamentary system until 1979 and it's going to have a presidential system but there is a senate and there is a house of representatives the senate has 109 senators from the 36 different states and one from the capital house of representatives has 360 members from single member districts one of the things about about the about about the legislature is that they don't have hardly have any women. And Nigeria is one of the low has one of the lowest rates of female re- re- representation in the entire world. And when the military has been in control of the government, Nigeria, the legislature has really had no power. And even when it was under civilian control, the legislature only had a little bit of power and a small amount of of power to keep the president in check. And there's also a fair amount of corruption and bribery in the legislature. There is a judiciary branch, and it's it's a combination because prior to colonization, there was a strong Islamic presence in in this part of of Africa, in the western part of Africa. So their courts, their court system today is a combination of British common law with some of the tradition tra- tra- traditions of Sharia law of 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 Islamic law, military rule. It's going to ravage the court system, so the judiciary under under all the military governments, they're not going to have a lot of power. The military is going to nullify a lot of court decisions. Even the military is going to set up their own, some of their own courts that's going to, you know, suspend the power of the judiciary. You know, and there's corruption there that the, some of the pre, if the presidents, regardless if they are military or civilian, they're going to appoint pe- their buddies as judges. So many judges today are really not. They don't really know the the law that well, and a lot of the decisions that they make are decisions that the government wants them to make. So judicial review exists in theory, but it is not not really it's not really followed. It's not really it's not really practiced. So again, the military. I would you know I guess we could put them in here as a a branch of the government because. I mean, you, I've mentioned them over and over again that the military has been a strong force behind policymaking in Nigeria. They are very politically active, and they have been uh, off and on in control of the government since independence. So they're a very intimidating force in the Nigerian political system, and they're the ones who have often blocked democracy, a lot of, of, of democratic reforms. And even, you know, one of the things that added to the power or just the, you know, the to, to what the military, what they like to do, all the different the differences in the Nigerian society. You know, I mentioned earlier with the different ethnicities in terms of religion, in terms of socioeconomic, that you know, often the military has justified what they do to keep order because there's been such instability since independence. And even in recent years, you know, in the news we hear a lot about Boko Haram, um, the military has really struggled in fighting against Boko Haram. And I'll talk a little bit more about them as we as we get to it. All right. So that is is a look at the institutions. There are several political parties in Nigeria. I would say one that has been around for quite some time and one of the largest, better established political parties is the PDP, the People's Democratic Party. And then, you know, when I actually, you know, even two years ago, there were several other political parties. I mean, if you were to look on 
just Google Nigerian political parties, there would be, I mean, probably 20-something that would pop up. But the PDP, and then the next uh, largest one, is going to be the All Progressives Congress. And that actually is an alliance between four parties that are going to, that are going to come together in like 2013, 2014, and they are going to to be very competitive. Actually, one of their candidates won the presidential election in in 2015. So, so the PDP in the in the All Progressives Party, PDP has been the mo- again been the most dominant party in in Nigeria, and it is fairly centrist, slightly leftist party. And then we have the All Progressive Party. So we do have that. So think in terms of linkage linkage institutions, that there are political parties. So let's take a look at some other factors that impact politics. So we've mentioned military as a as a constant source of of tension in Nigeria. Again, a lot of a lot of political scientists believe that Nigeria, that their government shows signs of weakness. Um, that if the Nigerian government shows signs of weakness, the military is going to step in again, establish a, mil- a military dictatorship. So there's a lot of worries about what the military um, has done and continues to do in the country. Another factor in Nigeria is oil and how the revenue from this oil is distributed. Because oil again is the is a huge natural resource in Nigeria. An important issue is the fact that oil is being stolen at record rates. Um, and so no one really knows for sure what Nigeria's actual production of oil is. The state-run Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation um, has been judged as one of the one of the more corrupt oil companies in the in the world. That the company has one of the worst records in terms of all the oil companies the world examine. And it's, there's really, it's not accountable to anyone. And some political scientists have actually called it a slush fund for the government. And so there's a little transparency when it comes to regulations over the the oil and the oil industry. So dealing with this with this issue was one of the biggest challenges for President Goodluck Jonathan. I mean, it's going to make it one of his priorities, but violence in the southern part of, of Nigeria is going to is going to to impact that. Yeah, so it, it is, and even that. Even within the the oil industry, I mean, the the, the ethnic differences will play a role in that, because many people believe that most of the oil money goes to a certain ethnic group, which is going to increase the 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 tension and the and the strife in in Nigeria. So, oil is a is a big factor in in Nigeria today. And something else that is very much in the news today that. Um, is that Nigeria has a fair amount of religious extremism. A few summers ago, there were parts of Nigeria that the government did not even control because of the extreme Islamic group Boko Haram. And they're going to carry out a number of atrocities and crimes against the Nigerian people, and they have for for quite some time. I think just in the news the other day, I saw some stories about Boko Haram in, in Nigeria. So again, it is an Islamic extremist group. 2013, they killed more than 1,000 people. So the government's going to launch this massive campaign to, to try to crush it. And they stepped, and it's not going to work, and they're going to step up their attacks in 2014, 2015. They're going to gain a lot of attention around that time when they're going to kidnap about 300 girls in 2014. <clears throat> and there was a big campaign across the world and in America called Bring Back the Girls. And so Boko Haram, the violence that Boko Haram brings to the country really destabilizes the democratic process and the entire political system in Nigeria. 
And so everybody has been kind of kind of looking at Nigeria, not only at Nigeria, but the international community in terms of how are they, how are they going to, how have they responded, and how are they going to continue to respond to to the threat of of Boko Haram. And so again, if you think back to where it's the northern part of of Nigeria that is uh, Islamic. So how people in Nigeria relate to the political system. It is a system that provides for universal suffrage, but to some extent, this is very misleading because many people would actually call Nigeria an oligarchy. There are few people that belong to the political elite class. And it's because it goes back to, you know, I mentioned this earlier, that there is a, um, a large gap between the rich and the poor, a lot like Mexico. The distribution of income in, in, in Nigeria is very, very, very unequal. And so there are very few people that are, are wealthy, and a majority of Nigeria, Nigeria are, are very, few, uh, very poor. And Nigeria is, you know, recently their economy has not shown a lot of sign of growth. So the, the, the outlook for, for that gap between the rich and the poor is, it doesn't, it doesn't look very good. And so that it's going to be that elite class, that political elite class, that wealthy class, that they basically come to dominate the political system. The families that have dominated the political system for decades now, they have, they have dominated it for, for decades now. So it's very difficult um, for let's say a middle class person to actually get involved in politics and to make a name for themselves in politics, most of the of the political offices come from a very small number of select families that have occupied these positions for several decades. So, not surprisingly, people throughout the country do not really trust the government at all, especially in the last five or six years. This has become a pretty big and a pretty urgent problem that the Nigerians do not really have any any faith in their in their government especially as the government struggles to deal with religious extremism and as it struggles to protect its own people the society you know they've lost even more faith in the political system and in in, in, in in the politicians so Nigeria right now is really at a crossroads and hopefully it will um it would not continue down this this dangerous and really unstable road that it has has been on. So when it comes down to it, you guys, things are not looking that great for for Nigeria in terms of their democracy. They are just to you know sum it up. They are one of the most fragmented societies in the world, and the differences come from ethnicity, religion, different regions urban versus rural, socioeconomic stuff. And so it's that's something that really has has impacted their political system. Because one of the, the key characteristics of a true democracy is the existence of competitive elections where the citizens feel like they have real choices and that their vote matters. And in recent Nigerian elections, you know, people doubt that. That they, you know, the election of 1993 was annulled. The elections in 99 and 2003 put military generals back in. The elections of 99, 2003, and 2007, a lot of people believe that there was a lot of theft of votes and a lot of ballot box stuffing. Um, there have been candidates that have been assassinated. So how, how can this, you know, this is why they struggle in terms of their, of their democracy. There has been some hope, again, 2011 and 2015 were kind of, people thought of them as being improvements over the One's in 2003 and in, and in, and in 2007. The last couple of presidents have been civilians, so there maybe there is a little bit of hope there. But the divisions between the country is really what, what worries political scientists. 
So it will be interesting to see what happens in Nigeria over the coming years. So that is something to to look for. So that is, is all I have about Nigeria today. Hopefully you, you have a better understanding of of Nigeria as a country, understanding of, of Nigeria, of Nigerian politics, a better understanding of their history and in, in, in what they, in what they struggle with. So keep a lookout for that. Keep a lookout for Boko Haram being the news because it's still an ongoing struggle that they, that they have today. So thank you for listening to this episode about Nigeria and I'll see you next time. Thanks.